1: All right, hello everybody and welcome to our guest segment I want to set this up for you Tonight our special guest in the guest segment Is Karen Foster The book is Justice for Bonnie The shocking true crime story Of an Alaskan college student's murder And her mother's relentless crusade For the truth When police told Karen Foster That her 18 year old daughter Bonnie Craig Had died in a hiking accident She knew the pieces of the investigation Just didn't add up Bonnie would have never ditched her classes at the University of Alaska to go hiking, and she didn't drive. So how would she have reached McHugh Creek miles outside of Anchorage in the first place? Armed with little more than her own conviction, Karen set out to find the truth behind her daughter's death. Here is the chilling tale of a mother's On flagging fight to track down the monster who stole her daughter's life, and the battle to ensure that he and others like him would no longer be able to evade justice. Karen Foster, thank you so much for being with us, ma'am. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I I have to start by telling you that uh, I wasn't sure how we ended up booking you on Mother's Day, and and when I realized that. I went to my producer and I, w- I said, hey, this is Mother's Day. What, this, maybe this isn't a good date for this mother to be on. Right. And, and she had said, well, no, no, we worked out the date with you and all that. And so I want to start out by just recognizing sort of the bittersweet irony of you being here on Mother's Day to talk about the death of your daughter. And uh, wow, just <laughs> incredible timing.
0: You know, it never occurred to me either when we set the date up. But um, I was up in Alaska last week, so um, it was perfect for me to do it this week.
1: Well, thank you so much for being with us. And of course, our condolences on the loss of your daughter. And just to let you know a little bit about thank you, the little bit about me um, is that I uh, teach women's self defense and rape defense. And I have a real heart for these kinds of stories because this could be anyone's daughter. And no one knows when you're out there in public that a monster, somebody like a Ted Bundy, could be the guy that's parked next to you. And in particular, college age women are at such risk and and they don't realize it many times the first time they're away from home. And, um, you know, it's the most innocent, most precious among us that seem to be targeted uh, by these monsters. Um, your background is very interesting. If I understand it correctly, you're not only a former news reporter, you're also a former police officer yourself. You used to live in Alaska, but now you live in Florida. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: All right. At the time, I had been working as a reserve police officer for Anchorage Police Department, and I was working in the drug unit, and I had just done with the buy officer, which is the officer that goes out and undercover and buys drugs from various people, And we did a major bust. And what had happened was we did three locations all uh, at the same time. And we identified a major Pacific Northwest drug ring. Three people were ending up in jail and they um, were released. Strangely enough, before Bonnie was murdered. And so I often thought that, oh my gosh, over the 12 years that we did not know who the killer was. I often thought that it was because you might have thought the there was, was a,
1: with. a connection there. And I want to ask you, I don't know if it's possible for you to stay consistently close to your phone because I don't want to miss a single word you're saying. And we're just losing a little bit here and there. But just to fill that in. You might have thought because of your involvement as as a reserve police officer involved in in several busts leading to a major drug bust, that maybe this was a revenge, that your daughter was murdered by somebody that you had brought to justice in your reserve officer role, that maybe one of those people was involved. And you thought that for a long time, right?
0: Exactly. And what uh, not only a revenge, but a possible mistaken identity. Okay. We always called Bonnie my Xerox copy. She looked just like me. And, of course, when you're uh, an undercover cop, you don't dress like a cop. Mm-hmm. You dress like a teenager. And um, I definitely um, thought it could have been mistaken identity, that they thought she was m- myself.
1: Now, now so, yeah. the book came out. What year did the book come out?
0: It was 2012, actually. 2012, and, and that was the same
1: year that the Dateline NBC uh, special came out as well. Isn't that right?
0: Right. Justice for Bonnie, they did it in um, 2012, just after the trial. The trial was completed, and um, he received one hundred and twenty four years, and they came up to Alaska and did the story on it,
1: yeah. and and it's it's absolutely riveting uh, the story. I, I i've I watched it originally when I asked my producer to book you and then I watched it again today and, and man, you, you, you can't even look away for two seconds. It's just, it's just so compelling the story. And I want to start by just kind of going back to uh, that day. And I'm not going to ask you to relive it, but I mean, obviously, you know, somebody knocks at your door, you, you hear the horrible news. And from that day, from that day that you heard that your daughter was deceased it was years i mean how many years was it before there was any realistic suspect
0: you know it was 12 years before they identified a suspect with dna Wow! now over the years there was other Suspects identified by DNA because DNA was just starting out then and at first we only had 12 markers and um, then it got to be a lot more sophisticated and um, they finally identified this guy 12 years later and it took 5 years for us to get him prosecuted so you know if people are thinking that it's okay to d- just get dna on conviction it was 17 years wow to get him convicted you know if we had taken dna on arrest of everybody that was arrested at that time we would have known within weeks or months that he was the killer
1: and and isn't it true that uh, where your daughter was found was this remote um hiking area and the first thought was well she just had a hiking accident like somehow without a car she got to this remote place miles away from the college and was by herself and and fell and and died as a result of a hiking accident that was at first what they believed and you stepped in And advocated and got them to take another look. And that's when they started realizing that there was really more to this story. Is that right?
0: Yeah. What happened was I was actually in St. Mark's, Florida, on a sailboat when I was notified that my daughter died in a hiking accident. (laughs) And the automatic response is total denial, and so I just kept firing off questions. I went to the uh, a pay phone back then and they had pay phones and called the Alaska State Troopers and asked why they thought it was my daughter and who was she with and they said no one. How'd she get out there? They didn't know that how did they identify her well they she didn't have any ID on her any keys on her they um, used her class ring to identify her hmm. what time of day did you find her and they said 2 30 I said no. if it's Bonnie it's not a hiking accident it's got to be murder because she should have been in class and I know she wouldn't miss her classes Right. So I just thought straight from the very first call- phone call to say no, it it's got to be murder. And the first time they let me see her body, it was for identifying her and I, they only allowed me to see her face. The second day I went back and I saw her knuckles and they were all battered and broken. If you fall you don't get battered and broken knuckles that's from punching she had fought for her life and you could tell that she she was a wrestler she was the first wrestler in um service high school in Anchorage, alaska first female wrestler (laughs) and she she was a tough kid she had pepper spray on her. you mentioned uh, personal security. I gave her pepper spray with the thought that that would protect her and it was never used. Yeah. You know I don't know what happened or I certainly thought that if she had pepper spray, she would be able to protect herself and also her her skills in wrestling and her strength. And right. she was very
1: knowledgeable. And now is that area where she was going to college, which I'm not familiar with. I've never been to Alaska. Is that an area uh-huh. where where a crime like this was completely out of place or was there violent crimes like this uh, in that area? And, and, and the reason I'm asking that is, If it's not a high crime area, maybe that's why the police were also in denial, not wanting to look at this as a murder.
0: Well, there is crime, but typically it's kids that are at risk if it's kids involved or it's um, drug addicts or alcohols involved or something. Bonnie was on her way to school. At, for a 7 a.m. class, she was a really good kid, good student, you know, kind to everybody. So it was just totally random that this guy who nobody knew um, came along, abducted her, raped her and uh, killed her in McHugh, Craig.
1: And what was riveting on the Dateline NBC video Is the interview where they finally catch up with this guy. And I want to ask you about that in a second. But before we get to that, uh, it was a number of years before all of this DNA evidence could be used. And... When they finally connect this guy through a DNA database, I mean, to think about the odds of this, that not only do they have the DNA, but then years go by, and then this guy happens to be in the system, his DNA is in the system, to be able to create a match. Was he a prior offender? Why was his DNA in the database to begin with?
0: Okay. So what had happened... This guy was in jail two months before he murdered Bonnie and he was out on parole when he murdered her mm-hmm. and then back in jail two months after he murdered her. But at that time, they didn't take DNA on arrest. Okay. So his DNA was never taken. Shortly after he murdered Bonnie, he left and went down to New Hampshire and he started committing crimes. Um, he was a oxycotton junkie, and he started committing crimes. And he um, held up three different pharmacies for oxycotton. He ended up arrested and convicted in New Hampshire in two thousand three, February two thousand three. There. Even though he was convicted and in prison, they did not bother to put his DNA into the database until November 2006, Wow! which is almost four years later. So it delayed us getting the information regarding his DNA. As soon as they put his DNA into the database, it came up with a hit they contacted Alaska state troopers in Anchorage Alaska and let them know we have a hit here on your murder case for Bonnie Craig.
1: And then when the so, when the investigators came from Alaska to question him. He was in California at that time, if I understand it. And when I was watching this on the Dateline interview, he seemed, uh, you know, cool as a cucumber. It didn't seem like a very smart guy because why would somebody fly from Alaska down to California uh, to just add the kind of questions they were asking him was, are you familiar with the Bonnie Craig case? Did you hear about it? And that sort of conversation, he didn't really get like okay they're not going to fly down here to just have small talk with with me about this this case that's so old um but he didn't seem to be very defensive either uh in, in the conversation um what was your sense of of this guy do you do you think he was just his mind was totally gone from drugs uh one theory was that he was deluding himself that he had kind of blocked this event from his own mind because he seemed like somebody that was was almost uh um i don't know disarming in in his lack of of typical response to the questioning
0: right he uh, probably does have no recollection and he has probably blocked it out of his mind totally i um even to this day he still says he's innocent. He never committed the crime. But what you know, it was real skillful investigation when they uh, talked with him and um, Alaska State Trooper Tim Hunyer. When he was talking with him, basically set him up so that they they would know that he couldn't argue in court. That, oh, no, I knew her, and it was consensual sex, because he totally denied it during that interview, never knew her, never heard of her, and so that was a defense for the prosecution.
1: So he said, I never knew her. I've never heard of her. I'm not even really familiar with this case. But then his DNA shows up and he, it's right. the defense tries to say, well, they had consensual sex. That's why his DNA uh, was was on her. And that that then obviously shows the jury that, look, you've got this his first statements, and then you have this later, you know, now that they've got DNA, we've got to come up with some kind of a story uh, to explain this. Your daughter was not that kind of a young lady. Number one, number two, had a boyfriend that she was very committed to uh, a very, very, you know, significant person in her life. And none of that added up. Nobody had ever seen your daughter with this guy. Uh, He was not some kind of a new boyfriend. In fact, wasn't he, Um, at some point, wasn't he married or himself or, or something like that? He, he, he was married at the time and
0: he had just had a baby girl. You know, the baby was probably about three months when he, he, uh, raped and killed Bonnie.
1: Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Now, when they first started investigating yeah. to try to determine who this was, they went after sort mm-hmm. of the the circle of people around your daughter. And I understand she worked at at Sam's Club. A lot of you know college students have these little part time jobs, yeah. uh, as we all did when we were in college, to try to come up with money for food and gas and all mm-hmm. that. And and so there was a couple of right. strange people at 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 Sam's Club. They they looked at them. Um, you know, one person let, you know, made some strange comments, another one, you know, was you know calling her when her phone number wasn't supposed to be available, and just some strange things happened. But they eliminated those people. But then they used the database uh, to catch this guy all these years later, which I find to be fascinating. Um, because the long arm of the law, you know, this guy probably thought he got away with it. Probably thought he was never going to yeah, get caught. Absolutely. And 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 yeah. during all those years that went by, do we know anything about his life during those years? Uh, did he ever make anything of himself? Did he ever get off the drugs? Did he have more children? Did the relationship? that he, his wife, did that work out or not? Do we know maybe there were other crimes that occurred during that time against other people?
0: Oh, there were, there were crimes against other women. And, um, some of them came up for the trial. His wife had divorced him and he had left Alaska and he was down in New Hampshire, as I mentioned earlier. And he, um, Abused a couple of women down in New Hampshire. Whether or not he committed any other crimes, we don't know that. If they had DNA on any of those crimes, he would definitely be identified. And that's what's so crucial in this, is that if we only collected DNA on every felony arrest, then we would, nobody would get away with rape, murder, or any other heinous crime we would find out who it was
1: you know it, it it it's fascinating it's almost like you know with all the money we're we're sending all around the world and all the things the the horrible waste in our government that i mean you would think this would be One of the most fundamental things that we could use in technology to protect all of us, all of our families, all of our daughters, all of our mothers, uh, you know, to have this kind of a system. uh, And we have the technology. It's just a matter of doing it. We we even had a case here and not too many years ago here in Florida where there were literally rape kits that were sitting for six months in a year because there wasn't enough money oh, no. to process the the dna uh samples which just is is mind-boggling i mean we've got money for to study ants in indonesia and all this crazy stuff but we don't have money uh to protect our own people and uh i find it fascinating yeah. though i was not aware that that's how it works so when a criminal is caught and they take their dna that there's sort of like right. a Uh, A a system you're saying that's in place that as soon as that DNA goes into the system, that all the unsolved crimes that are there thousands probably in there, it goes and it looks for a hit for a match. And then that's immediately when they they caught this guy.
0: Exactly. Uh, And it's so critical. And you know what? It's so sickening to think that taking an offender DNA when they take the, pho- the mug shots, when they take the fingerprints, taking that DNA costs less than $30. Wow. And, and if you can imagine how many hours and years of investigation that would eliminate. And it also is extremely good at clearing people. Right. I mean, there were 105 DNAs taken during this investigation. Those people were cleared, Mm -hmm. you know, and once your DNA is in the system, if you're an offender and your DNA is in the system, then police can't hassle you about a crime if they've got dna on that
1: crime right so somebody could be in prison someone's in prison they're convicted of a crime not based on dna but based Uh on other things and then the dna is matched and all of a sudden they get out of prison that's what they do largely with uh barry schwartz uh uh in in the innocence project uh yeah you know it's very fascinating i mean it, it could help in so many different ways are there any organizations that you know of that are sort of like lobbying for this, this change in our system with regards to the DNA testing and all of that?
0: Well, you know, I worked with Ed Smart and various other parents of high profile crimes. We uh, formed a group called surviving parents coalition. And we were pushing for collection of DNA on arrest. When I first started this, um, there was only Alaska was number seven, the seventh state to start collecting DNA on felony arrest. Mm-hmm. And um, now there's thirty. But it's still crazy to think that there's twenty states out and Canada. Canada doesn't collect DNA wow. on arrest. It um, most European countries do, a lot of other countries do, but we
1: don't. And, uh, There's uh, and 20 states that still don't. A listener just emailed me. I I apologize. Barry Sheck is the name of the attorney. Oh, with the yes. Innocence Project. I yes. don't know why I, uh-huh. I misspoke on that. Now, this this guy, his name is Kenneth Dion. Uh, he's never going to see the light yes. of day. Uh, We pray to God, uh, this murderer. But but is is he up for any type of appeals or I mean, as crazy as it is, this Scott Peterson character is now up for an appeal, I guess, just of his death sentence. But uh, there's someone saying, no, they're going to go for the whole ball of wax to try to get him uh, out of prison. Scott Peterson. Uh, Is this Kenneth Dion still working through the system to try to overturn this conviction?
0: you know I haven't heard of anything happening lately but at any point that could come up um, I I just feel so awful for some of these states where there's so many crime victims that have to go through appeals every three years they have to go back and plead that they don't let the the perpetrator of the crime that they're victimized by to keep them in jail. I shouldn't just say him, there's her too. Right. <laughs> but you know, it's it's so sad when people have to go through that every couple of years and it's just you never heal the wound when you have to deal with that constantly. And that's one of the laws that needs to be changed too. Is you, you can't keep going for appeal after appeal.
1: Now, Karen, did, did we, in front of the- Karen did you ever find out exactly the sequence of events that got your daughter to that remote location? Was there ever a closed circuit video or a witness that said, "Yep, he grabbed her between this point and this point with a gun or a knife"? or drugged her or whatever he did did you ever find out did he ever uh give any information that that would have helped or any witnesses to know exactly what happened leading up to the murder
0: we know that he abducted her along her walk to the bus stop that morning and this is early in the morning in alaska it was september 28th it was dark and she was abducted um you know i often wonder how he could have got her in the car and my thought was you know i i did the same walk a week later and a, a moose came walking along and basically started to charge me and i thought well that makes sense it could have been you know a moose was coming out and charging um he, yeah, you just have no idea how he could have got her in the car, but um, somehow and somewhere he raped her, and then he drove out to McHugh Creek, and the investigators believed that she had already been fighting with him, and she was bleeding, and she somehow escaped from him and started running along this path. And the investigators, you know... For 17 years, I I truly thought they didn't do a good investigation and that they um, missed everything and that they, you know, they were only looking at it as a hiking accident. Well, there was investigators there that were down on their knees and found one leaf with a drop of blood and that drop of blood was Bonnie's. So the investigators know that she was injured before she went over the cliff. Okay. And it was a 33-foot drop into icy cold water, into a, a, a fairly fast-flowing stream. And what the prosecutor determined, along with the investigators, is that when she went over that cliff, Kenneth Dion went down and he had nunchucks. He was a martial artist hmm. and he had nunchucks on him and he went down into the water and beat her uh, on her head with the nunchucks again and again and again until she no longer lived.
1: Wow. Wow. And, uh, Unbelievable. And, and of
0: course, throughout the trial, throughout the whole trial, I am learning this stuff uh, for the first time.
1: And that drop of blood they found was the size of a pencil eraser. And that drop of blood was so significant because it proved that she was bleeding before she went over the ledge. It was the most conclusive piece of evidence that proved that she was injured before that, which ruled out that this was – uh, an accident that was probably the greatest piece of evidence, right. and uh, yeah, I saw the video on uh, Dateline, and the police officers on their knees in the water, on their knees, going through the the leaves like one at a time. I mean, painstakingly, not uh, right. leaving anything uh, to be uncovered. Which you know, you might expect that, like. I don't know, in the investigation of a a murder in a really big city like maybe Los Angeles or something, or if it was a really important person or something. Uh, So you have to give them a lot of credit that they put so much into that. And this guy did not get away with it. And that ultimately uh, justice was served. But I have to ask you. Uh, today you know tell us about your life today I know there's probably your life could be measured by before and after what happened to your daughter Um, but have you been able to move forward and to somehow find some good in terms of sharing the story uh, and being able to maybe help others by empowering them by maybe what you learned from having gone through this as a mother absolutely absolutely
0: It's a bittersweet triumph. I know that because of Bonnie's murder, now 30 states collect DNA on arrest. That has prevented so many women from being raped, so many people from being murdered, and um, it will continue to solve so many crimes. Daily, you'll find out that there's crimes being solved because of DNA, even back 30 years. Yeah. And it's just unbelievable. So it's, it's getting justice, not just for Bonnie, but for so many other people. It's, to me, it's a very telling legacy that because of her murder, people aren't having to deal with these murderers and rapists that get away with it. They will be caught and and hopefully caught before they commit another crime and another crime. And I think that a lot of times whenever anybody goes through something this horrific, your thoughts are you just want to find the person and get them in jail so that it's not going to happen to another mother's child.
1: Right. You You you, gotta and you you just got to think what kind of a, a monster could treat another yeah. human being like this, no less someone as precious and innocent as your daughter, just being in college and, and all of that. It, 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 it You know, and this is why I think we're vulnerable many of us because we, unless you've ever seen that evil yourself, it's hard to believe someone could be that evil and that horrible. And I think sometimes that's their opening is that we don't, We don't recognize that these monsters are walking the street. Now, I want to make sure that people get a chance to get your book. I know that Justice for Bonnie is on Amazon, but do you also have separately a website or any other information you'd like to share?
0: Well, it's justiceforbonnie.com. But yeah, definitely the book is on Amazon. And they're actually doing a... um, one-hour documentary on this case, too, that should be coming out sometime the next year. But
1: yeah. Very good. Yeah, well, let us know about that. I'd like and, to uh, mention that on the show when it comes out.
0: Yeah, and to me, the, the most important thing is people, um, well, first off, if they've ever gone through anything like this, um, recognize that there can be something that can redeem and, and hopefully make it a bittersweet tragedy and make it a triumph. Um, and also the, the getting laws changed, we really need to get the laws changed to protect our kids, to protect everyone from re- repeat offenders
1: absolutely and that's what we're dealing with here and and you've taken yeah. this tragedy and you're a survivor and uh you have honored your daughter by by pursuing this in the in the criminal justice system by bringing justice for what happened to her and by protecting others from this monster but also by raising uh this issue and that's what I I always say you know we don't have control of what's going to happen in our life but we do c- have control over what we can do about it and we can take a tragedy and we can use that tragedy uh, for good. And that's what you've done. And we thank you so much for being here tonight, Karen, especially on Mother's oh, Day. God bless you.
0: Thank, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: And we'd love to have you back very again. Nice. Thank you very much. Wow. Whew. I'll tell you what, uh, if that doesn't uh, uh, cause you to lose your breath for a minute, just thinking about that story. and. Uh, you know, it's a tough thing losing a child at any age. I don't know how people go through go through that, and I know people grieve differently. And uh, this woman is certainly a, a paragon of virtue, uh, a, a woman of strength to be able to have taken this tragedy and to. Uh, Uh, stuck with the process of the investigation for all those years to get justice for her daughter, Bonnie Craig and Karen Foster. We thank you so much for being with us on this mother's day edition. Thank you for watching tonight and listening. And uh, next week we'll be back with Sean Levy talking about the Chateau Marmont. That'll be a very interesting interview as we talk about one of Hollywood's oldest hotels, Thanks for watching and listening. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.